welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 12th of February 2017, entitled, What is Your Relationship to Jesus Christ? And the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Here's Brother Michael Schmidt. Matthew 28, and we'll be looking at the last verses, 16 to 20. Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Dear Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that when we look into your word, we can learn more about you and more about how you want us to live. And I pray now that you would help me to preach your word rightly and clearly. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that we would understand your word, and that you would move in us so that we would want to live according to your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this is a text very typically used for missions, and probably not a surprise that when a missionary comes and preaches that he uses this text. This text very clearly speaks about the importance of missions, because these are not just any words of any person, not just the words of some preacher or some prophet of the Old Testament, not a disciple who who wrote these words or said these words. These are the words of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And these are just not not any words of Christ. These are the last words that he left us here in the Gospel of Matthew. This was, before he went home, his mission to us as followers of Christ, as his disciples. Now, missions is very important, and I believe this text also shows that it's important. But as I was looking and studying these verses, something else really spoke to me um, that is even more important than missions. And that is your relationship to Jesus Christ. The last words here in the gospel, or the last words of the Great Commission, the last words of Jesus, they are not, go ye therefore into all the world. The last words we read about Jesus that he says is, I am with you all the days, even unto the end of the world. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So what he's focusing on at the very end is, what is your relationship to me. And that's the same with the Christian life. The Christian life is not about being baptized or about going to church or living according to rules. The Christian life is a relationship with a person, with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now in life you have many relationships in your day-to-day life. You have relationships with your uh, maybe fellow workers, um, your colleagues at work, your boss maybe your teacher if you're a student, your friends, your parents, your children, your spouse, many different kinds of relationships you have in life. But there's no, no relationship that is so important 
as your relationship with Jesus Christ. You must obey Jesus more than you obey your boss at work. You must learn from Jesus more than you learn from your teacher. You must enjoy spending time with Jesus more than you enjoy spending time with your friends. You must honor Jesus more than you honor your parents. You must care for Jesus more than you care for your children. And you must love Jesus more than you love your spouse. So this morning I want to ask you a very personal question. What is your relationship to Jesus Christ? When we look at these few verses in Matthew, first question I would like to ask you is, have you met Jesus? Here in verse 16, it says, when the, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain, unto a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. So here the disciples have a meeting with Jesus Christ. Here it's all of the disciples together as a group at a specific time, at a specific location. But earlier in their lives, each one of these disciples had a very personal encounter, personal meeting with Jesus Christ. And when the disciples met Jesus, it changed their lives. You can think of two fishermen named Simon and Andrew and their brothers, and they're working in their boats, um, casting a net into the sea. And then Jesus comes to them, and he says to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And what they do, it says immediately they leave their nets and follow him. They show by their actions that for them, Jesus Christ is more important than their career, their work, their job. They would rather be with Jesus than be successful or, or continue um, having a good career. We think of also two other fishermen named James and John, and they're also brothers. And, and they're also fishermen. And when we, we see them in the Bible, they're mending their nets with their father, Zebedee. And Jesus comes to them also, and it says he called them. And then their response, it says, they immediately leave the ship and their father and follow him. By their response, they show not only is Jesus more important to them than their work, he's also more important to them than their family relationships. They leave their father and they follow Jesus Christ. We find another disciple in the Gospels. His name is Matthew, or he's also known as, with the name of Levi. And he's sitting at the receipt of custom, of taxes, collecting money from people who pass by, um, who enter the city maybe, collecting their taxes. And then Jesus comes and he says to, to Matthew, follow me. And it says in the Bible, he leaves all, rises up, and follows him. He leaves all of the money sitting there on the table and gets up and follows Jesus. It's more important to him his relationship with Christ is more important than his wealth, his riches. And he probably also, what he does so in leaving that behind, he may have earned a lot of money dishonestly, charging too much taxes, um, pocketing a lot of money for himself and, uh, when he shouldn't have. But he leaves that behind. And it says later that Levi made a great feast in his own house for Jesus. And there was a great company of publicans, and of others that sat down with them. 
So when Levi or Matthew met Jesus, he said, this is something for me to celebrate. I want to show my friends, I want to invite my friends and show them that something wonderful has happened in my life and I want to introduce them to that person who has changed my life and that is Jesus Christ. We think also of another disciple, his name is Bartholomew. He's also known as Nathaniel. He might have been of a noble birth and when he first hears about Jesus, he kind of mocks and laughs and he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And then he has a meeting with Jesus. And Jesus shows him very clearly that he knows who he is. And Nathaniel recognizes that Jesus is no ordinary man. And he comes to the conclusion, he tells Jesus, he says, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. So first he was almost mocking Jesus and making fun of him. And then he comes to the realization, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the King of Israel. Now, have you had an encounter in your life that has changed your life in a similar way, maybe? This is not the case for everyone who meets Jesus. There were 12 disciples, but really there were only 11 disciples. One of them, Judas Iscariot, was a traitor. He appeared to be following Jesus and along with the other disciples. And he appeared to have a concern and care for the poor people in the area. But in in, in reality, he was a thief, he was a lover of money, and he valued money more than Jesus Christ. And that is also why he sold, he betrayed Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. He would rather have these 30 pieces of silver than have Jesus Christ. Now, there are also other people we meet in the Bible. There are other people that are interested in Christ. And um, yeah, they show a certain interest, but they're not committed to Christ. They don't really make this last step, this last decision of saying, yes, I will go with Christ. I will follow him. Such as the rich young ruler. He says, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus realizes that this man is clinging on to his money. He loves money. And he says that he, he should leave this desire, his, his love for money, give it away. Um, and that's too much. This man, young ruler, he says, no, he goes away sad. He wants to have eternal life, but for, more important for him still is his money. There are also other people that are openly, directly very antagonistic, such as the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who are just very much against Jesus Christ. And what, I wonder which kind of person you might identify with this morning. Who would you be like? Have you had an encounter with Jesus that has changed your life? Have you repented of your sins and placed your tr trust and your faith in Jesus Christ? And do you know Jesus Christ as your friend, your Savior, your Lord, your God, and your King? Knowing Jesus is a, in this way is a matter of life and death. In 1 John 5, 11 and 12, it says, and this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So have you met Jesus? That's my first question. My second question is, are you worshiping Jesus? Take a look at verse 17. It says there, When they saw him, they worshipped him 
but some doubted. John Piper, in his book on missions, in this very first chapter, he starts out with these words. He says, Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. So that is more important for you than being involved in missions is a wonderful, important thing. But even more than that is worshiping Jesus Christ. Here in our text it says, when they saw him, they worshipped him. Now, that's what it says in most of your English Bible translations that uses the word worshipped him. In German Bible translations, it translates, in most translations, it translates it slightly differently. It doesn't say worshipped him, it says they fell down before him. So that is describing their action. I don't know, do you know the word? Is that, in Greek, is it a word that can be used in both ways, or I don't know? Only, uh, only came to me that we have a native speaker here. So, <laughs> um, but from my understanding, or from yeah, the the word can be it means to fall down before somebody. But when you do that, yeah, see, yeah, fall down. So that is their outward action. But what you what you're showing by doing that is that you're worshiping someone. And um, in order to do that, you need to first recognize someone's great worth. Someone's majesty, and in the case of Jesus Christ, his holiness, that makes you fall down before him and worship him. The disciples here, they worship Jesus. And um, you might think, of course, how not? Jesus was, had been dead for three days in the grave, and he rose again, came to life. There was a, a wonder, a miracle, the greatest thing that ever happened in, in the history of the world. And of course they worshiped him. How could they not? But also they worshipped him before Jesus was resurrected. When, they, when Jesus calmed the storm, he said, Peace be still. And the waves were quiet. The wind was gone. They realized this is no ordinary man. This is the man. This is the Son of God who has power over nature. And it says there also in that story the same word that they fell down in German or they worshipped him in English. Um, but here, and interestingly, in this verse, it also says, verse 17, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, that's interesting. How, how could they doubt? How could they doubt Jesus? And from my understanding, this word refers not so much to unbelief in Jesus, but more as to being insecure. Maybe Jesus' appearance was different, and they thought, is this, is this him? Or maybe they realized it is him, but after what had happened. They'd lived three years with him, and now he died, and he rose again, came to life again, and they realized his, who he is. They might ask themselves, what is he going to do next? What is he going to say? How should I respond now in light of what has happened? And maybe that's the way that they doubted, that they were insecure. Now, we also don't need to understand and know everything about Jesus in order to worship him. And we never will understand him completely because God's ways are much higher than our ways and his understanding much greater than ours. 
Up to a certain amount, we can know him from the Bible, but there's some things we may never really understand. But still we are to worship him, because all that we know about Christ makes him worthy of our worship. The scribes and Pharisees honored God with their lips, but it says their heart was far from him. Um, they did not, did not honor God with their hearts. And today also there may be people who think they want to honor God by what they do, but they don't honor Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father that has sent him, in John five twenty three. What about you? How do you worship Jesus Christ? Worship means ascribing worth, showing worth to something. And we can do that privately and also publicly. When we gather together in church, we do it publicly. We do it publicly with our words, when we sing to God, when we sing to Jesus. Um, we do it publicly in prayer, when we pray together as a church. Or also, but we are also to do it privately. Um, we can sing to Jesus privately. We can, we can and we are supposed to pray to God privately, no matter where we are, if we're in the car, if we're at work, at any time we can come to him and pray to him and worship him and tell him, you're a good God. Or we can tell with our words to other people about our Lord and tell him, listen, my friend, listen and see what Jesus has done for me, how God has been so good to me. Let me tell you more about that. That is also a way of worshiping Jesus Christ with your words. A lot is done with our words, but more than with our words, we worship him also with our behavior. And we can do that when we kneel in prayer or when we bow our heads or when we maybe have a song or we might be clapping during a song. That's an outward behavior of how we can worship Jesus. But also simply by coming to church, by having an, a heart ready to receive God's word, wanting to know and to learn more from God, that is also a way of worshiping him. And we worship Jesus also with our sacrifices now. Sacrifice is not like in the Old Testament, not with sacrificing a goat or something, or like the Indians do, but with our tithes and offerings, or a form of sacrifice, or giving your time and your energy for the Lord's work, also in prayer for other people, for, you, for intercessory prayer, or prayer for missionaries. It's also a form of worship. And also by by the way you live, by the way you um, act and, and behave with other people, that you are kind and loving to people, even if they might be rude to you, if, even if they might not like you, but that you live with all that you have to honor Jesus Christ and you show by your life that he is worthy. So are you worshiping Jesus? My third question are you listening to Jesus? Let's look in verse 18, the first part. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying... So Jesus is speaking, and he wants to be heard. He wants us to listen to him. The disciples, they listened to Jesus. They spent three years living with him. Jesus Christ is also called, in John 1, 1, he's called the Word. So his person is a message to us. It has something to say to us. 
Jesus said in John 6:63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So whatever Jesus says, it is important to listen to his words. Some of us may have a Bible where the words of Jesus are in red letters. That is one way that maybe Bible publishers want to show these are important words to, to pay attention to. Jesus is speaking. Pay attention. But of course, it's not just the words of Jesus that are in red, but all of this that is God's word to us that we should listen to and pay attention to. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life in John 6, 68. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice in John 10, 27. How about you? Are you a sheep of Jesus? Are you hearing his voice? Are you listening to Jesus? It's good to come to church and to hear God's word preached. But are you also spending time on your own at home, reading God's word, wanting to hear from Jesus what he has to say to you? Listening to Jesus involves not just your ears and, and, and hearing. It also involves speaking. When you have a conversation, when you want to get to know someone, you have to ask questions and, and have a conversation with someone. And it's the same with Jesus Christ. We also can and should speak to him and pray, bring our prayers throughout the day to him. Just talk to him because he's at our side like a friend who we can share everything with, everything we're going through at any day. We can thank God for the good things he brings into our lives, for what we can experience. Or we can say, Jesus, I need courage. Please help me. Or I need wisdom. Please show me what to do. And when you pray to God, you can expect to hear God speak back to you. Not with a voice, a voice from heaven that you hear words, but that God will speak to your heart and you will know what to do. You will know, yes, this is the right thing to do. So that's also important if you want to hear from God, that we speak with God. My fourth question, are you trusting Jesus? In verse 18, the second part, Jesus says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So sometimes we come in situations in our life where we think, I don't know what to do. I can't handle this. This is too much for me. There's no hope now. This verse shows that Jesus has all authority. He has all power. And, and these verses make reference to a vision of Daniel, the prophet Daniel, who had a vision of Jesus Christ. And it says in Daniel 7.13, Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Jesus Christ is not just your Lord, if you've accepted him as a Lord in your life, or not just the Lord of Christians in general. Jesus Christ is the Lord of every person in this world, whether they accept him as Lord or not. And um, he is Lord over all creation, over all people, over all sin, over all illnesses, over death, over demons, and over Satan. 
In Philippians 2, 9, it says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's nothing in your life that can have greater power over you than Jesus Christ. That does not mean that you won't experience difficulties in your life and struggles and temptations and trials. But you can know that Jesus Christ is greater than all of that. I'd like to read a few verses from Romans 8, verses 31 to 39. It says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is God that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And now you may have difficulties in your life, but you can trust and depend on Jesus Christ in all circumstances. His authority and his power is greater than you know or than you think or than you may feel at any time. Are you trusting in Jesus? Question number five, are you obeying Jesus? We'll read in verse 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. The disciples obeyed Jesus. When Jesus said, Follow me, they followed him. When Jesus sent them out into all the tribes of Israel, they went. And now Jesus is sending them out into all the world. And according to church history, the disciples went into various parts of the world, to Turkey, Greece, Italy, Egypt, Ethiopia, Persia, Russia, Armenia, even as far as India. And we have the biblical record of the Apostle Paul, and we see in the back of our Bibles his journeys to Turkey, to, to, to Italy, and, and all these, these places where he went. And many more missionaries in history have obeyed this command of Christ to go into all the nations. And they obeyed even if it cost them their lives. The Apostle Paul said in Acts 21, 13, he says, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And he was possibly beheaded under the Emperor, Emperor Nero. Other missionaries were drowned, hanged, killed with a spear, killed with arrows, flayed alive with knives, sawn in pieces, 
and crucified. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life shall lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. The great commission of Jesus Christ here to go into all the world is for all tribes, all nations, all languages, all people groups. And the missionary Hudson Taylor said, The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. Jesus Christ, God the Son, who has all authority, he commands us to be involved in missions. And every Christian can and should be involved in one way or another. Not all Christians can go out to another country as a missionary. Not all are called to do that. Others are called to stay at home to pray and support for missionaries. John Piper says there are only three kinds of Christians when it comes to world missions. Zealous goers, zealous senders, and disobedient. What kind of a Christian are you? But Jesus speaks and spoke not only about missions. That was not his only command to go into all nations and teach all nations. Jesus spoke almost about every aspect of our lives, how we are to live our lives here on this earth. Um, he spoke about the law. He spoke about the Ten Commandments. We may think, okay, I've, I can keep most of the Ten Commandments. I've not killed anybody. I've not committed adultery with my neighbor's wife or something like that. But Jesus said, no, if you have hate in your heart towards your brother, it's as though you would have killed him. Or if you lust after another woman in your heart, you've committed adultery already then in your heart. And Jesus speaks to us about how we are to live our lives. Are we obeying him? And our obedience to Jesus Christ is an indicator of what our relationship to him is like. The more we are obeying him, the closer our relationship is with Jesus. In 1 John 2, it says, And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Are you obeying his commandments? First, it is important that you obey God's word and his commandments yourself before you go and teach other people to obey. And one last question, are you looking to Jesus? In the last verse, words here, they say, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Lo, that's an older English word. NIV translated it surely, but the, or, and the New Living Translation says, Be sure of this, which is not a good translation. The, the word lo means to look, behold, see. Um, where are we to look? We're to look to Jesus Christ. We're to look away from other people to Jesus. That was what the message that John the Baptist had. There were many people coming to him to be baptized, to hear what he had to say. And um, he could have thought a lot of himself, saying, oh, yes, they're coming to me. But no, when Jesus came, he said, look, behold, the Lamb of God, look at him. Look at Jesus Christ who takes away the sin of the world. 
We are also to look away from ourselves to Jesus Christ. Many times we might be so occupied with ourselves that we forget about Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist said, He must increase, but I must decrease. And we're also to look away from our circumstances, everything that's happening around us. We're to look away from our circumstances to Jesus Christ. That's also the lesson of Peter when he was called to walk on the, on, on, on the water. He came out, and when he started looking at the waves and everything that was around him, he started to sink. And it says in the Bible, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Now, where do you think his eyes were in that moment when he cried, Lord, save me? I think they must surely have been back on Jesus Christ in that moment, looking back to Jesus, saying, save me. And then he experienced the help of Jesus. And it says, Jesus stretched forth his hand immediately and caught him. When are we to look to Jesus Christ? It says here, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We are to look always to Jesus Christ. And why are we to look to Jesus Christ? In Isaiah 45, 22, it says, God says, Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. By looking to Jesus, by looking to God, that's how we were saved. And that does not change after the day we were saved, we have to keep looking to Jesus every day of our lives. Have you met Jesus? Are you worshiping, listening to, trusting, obeying, and looking to Jesus? Jesus is the almighty Son of God who loves you, who holds his, your life in his hands, and who is the only Savior. And your relationship to Jesus Christ must be different, must be more important than any other relationship. And if you know Jesus, then you will understand that it is your only right response to worship him, to listen to him, to trust him, to obey him, and to look to him. And when you look to Jesus, you seek to meet him. You behold his beauty and you worship him. You watch his lips to receive instruction from him. You show your trust in him and your dependence on him. And as you do that, you receive the power to obey him. Is this your relationship to Jesus Christ? Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you care for each one of us, each one of us in this room. And if there's anyone here who does not know you yet as Savior, you have died and given your life so that this person might be saved. And we pray that today all of us here would, be, would trust in you, that we would not focus so much on, on the circumstances in our lives or other things that are important, but that we would realize that the most important thing for us is our relationship with you. Help us to love you more and to trust you, to obey you, and to live close with you every day. And we thank you that you are at our side to help us and that you have been given all power and that you are with us. And um, yeah, just thank you that you desire this relationship, personal relationship with us. And uh, thank you for all you've done for us. And thank you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.